0: Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys are joined by Kevin Charity from Mad Friars. They'll recap the year that was and preview the upcoming prospect game. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBou.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to a holiday 5.5 Podcast. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou. Uh, we have exciting news. We have our uh, special guest, Kevin Charity, who is going to be returning for his second stint on the show. He'll be back a little bit later on. However, I want to complain and bitch about this weekend, Eric.
2: Yeah, man. So I, I got two free free uh, hookups again. <laughs> I'm stunned. Went to the game <laughs> on Saturday night. It was my first time ever going to the Saquon suite. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, was
1: it like food and stuff there or the perks? Yeah,
2: so they had, it's all you can eat and all you can drink. Oh. And so, for the people who who know us personally, they know that Danny and I have both been on a, on this keto diet. and We've been losing weight, and with keto, you can't have carbs. So obviously, you can't have beer. So I have all you can eat food, all you can eat beer, and I'm sitting there chugging down diet coke. They didn't have so that uh, part kind of
1: sucked. They didn't have like just hamburgers and hot dogs. You just throw
2: in bunless. They had they had like Italian. They had the sausages there. Ooh, and, Italian sausages and peppers, and um, they had like roast beef in there too. So it was good, but like I mean. All you can drink beer, and I couldn't touch it. They had Sculpin or they had Ballast Point, they had like almost everything that you could want.
1: Considering how the last Saturday you had all you can (laughs) handle alcohol, (laughs) I think it's a good thing that you couldn't drink the beer. Probably, probably. Because I I, I wasn't going to come get you this time. Yeah, and I'm not paying
2: for two different details (laughs) and two two weeks
1: one paycheck.
2: Yeah, but then yesterday I went to the game on Sunday, and by the way, Padres took three out of four against the Dodgers. What the fuck? No
1: one saw that coming (laughs) at all. No, we look like a bunch of hipster idiots for. <laughs> saying, here come the Dodgers, folks, the tank is on, and we took three out of four. Yes, but at the same
2: time, like, I, I want a higher draft pick, but it's it's in my blood. I think we're but anytime, locked in for any, five, by but, the way. I, yeah, I think so, but anytime we beat the, the Dodgers and the Giants, it's still part, still, I'm like, fuck yeah. It's
1: hard, yeah, it's really hard, because I hate the Giants, I have a family, or, and the, and the Dodgers, and I have a family member who is the most obnoxious Dodger fan yeah that you'll ever run into a lot of ob- obnoxious
2: Dodger fans there yesterday on Sunday as well yeah you were saying the last two days it was like 80 20 Dodger fans 80 on Sunday especially maybe i didn't notice maybe i didn't notice on saturday cuz i was i was above all you peasants in my <laughs> suite maybe <laughs> maybe i just didn't know. It, it seemed very
1: dodger heavy but sunday good god dude it, it had to have been 80 20 dodger I fans i think for i don't know I, I don't know if it was for the whole weekend but i think for saturday night or friday night they had an entire like contingency of Dodger fans, buy out a whole section. So a whole section, like 300 seats, just Dodger fans.
2: Oh, dude, it was awful. Like, um, I think it was Chris Taylor went yard yesterday off of scene and the place erupted. Absolutely erupted. And I text you, like, it got to a point where... I, I, and, I and I've seen that before. Like, we've seen Giants fans take over. We've seen Dodger fans take over. But usually but, it's like 60-40. But yesterday was the first time that actually pissed me off. You know why? Because, like... Maybe it's the whole Charger thing, and I don't want to talk about the Chargers, but... Who? Maybe it's the whole Charger thing that, that now it's, it's kind of getting to
1: me. Like, Why don't we just deal with them like we deal with other people in my life? We'll just say our old football team.
2: So they they come down here from L.A., and they... I don't know. like I, I It's hard to put into words. So when I go up to Dodger Stadium and I'm in my Padre gear, I'm like, dude, someone's going to throw a hot dog at me. Someone's going to toss their beer on me. <laughs> like, I expect it. But when they come down here... They don't expect shit. No,
1: they you know they I mean? expect like, to be treated like they they run they, they walk around like they own the place. Exactly, and that's what it pisses me off, dude. It, it's really irritating. However, there's light at the end of the tunnel because I feel like it wasn't like this when the team was good. Even even when Petco first opened oh four through oh seven when they were quote unquote competitive, I felt like the Padre fans, the whole Beat LA thing was huge yeah. back then. And then in ninety, you know, ninety five through ninety eight, when the team was really, really good, uh, and had that that uh, run, um, I feel like Qualcomm Stadium was much more Padre fan heavy. So I think as a team wins, it'll be better for those Dodger fans coming down here. Tickets are probably cheaper. They buy them in group specials, and like Fowler said, even though they don't <laughs> like that they do it, they're gonna take their money. They may not be cheaper per se, but they're definitely more available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's plenty available for You're them. you right. But, but you had a cool moment. Speaking of the '95 uh, through '98 run, you had a cool moment oh, yesterday. Oh yeah. So, dude, I'm at the game
2: yesterday, and I don't, I don't know how I recognize him, but we're in the Premier Club on on Sunday, and I look down at the little walkway in between, and I see this bald head that, that's sticking out, and I look closer, I'm like, what the that's Greg Vaughn. Like, that's Greg Vaughn. And, and so he's just, he keeps walking. And I'm not going to get out of my seat to go chase the guy down and say, hey, uh, thanks for 98 so I'm sitting there, and he starts coming up. We're close to the aisle seats. He starts coming up the. You sit in the aisle seat. I'm stunned. No, not these. <laughs> these are free. I, beggars can't be choosers. So he comes walking up the. Uh, he comes walking up the stairs, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." So he's coming by. So I stand up and I lean over the two people who are in the aisle seats. I put my titties in one of the guy's face. Why well, wasn't I there? I need some action. <laughs> and the guy, and and the guy's like, "Oh, hey, hey, what?" And I'm like, "Hey, Greg, you're the man." I give him a fist bump. He's like, "Oh, thanks, man." <laughs> These other guys getting smothered by hairy tits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His right arm was in a sling, too. It was kind of weird, so. Maybe he blew it out or something. Well, I put the joke on, on Twitter for uh, our buddy. I think it was Jake Tremblay. I said, oh, well, hey, uh, he's getting Tommy John. It's all the rage these days.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah.
2: Especially with our farm being ravaged by by the uh, by by the Tommy Johns. Colin Ray coming back. Um, Robbie Irwin. Robbie Irwin. They're sitting there playing two, catch. Yeah,
1: those two. I like how they put it on Twitter. Oh. Robbie Erlin and Colin Ray playing catch should be ready next year. Yeah. Yay. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Embrace the take part two. There is a lot to be excited about in um, in the farm, though. So that's why we brought in our special guest here today. Uh, you want to
1: bring him in there, Danny? Yeah, we have. Uh, you know, I want to thank Kevin. He is a ratings magnet because the last time <laughs> he came on, we set a record. So hopefully we'll reset that record. Uh, we're going to welcome in Kevin Charity of Madfriars. Welcome back, Kev. What's up, fun boys? How's it going? <laughs> now, I did mail you that Boot World gift certificate. However, it may have gotten lost in the post.
0: That's not shocking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> did, didn't you two more used to work for the post office?
2: So, yeah, look,
0: look at the quality of people they hire there. Yeah.
2: We sure did. We're jumping from shitty job to shitty job, <laughs> and now we're deviling in shitty podcasts. Yes, indeed we are. <laughs>
0: Um, so, so you guys got four people last time I came on instead of normally two. Is that what yeah, I'm led to believe? it's correct.
1: I think, I think so. We're shooting for six this time around. We want to go up into increments of two. Four
0: more people than I get. So
1: I that's yeah, good to go. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a lot going on with the Padres. So I, I know we uh, we have a ton of talk about or a ton to talk about. Let's go over the uh, Arizona Fall League uh, rosters. What are your uh, feelings on who the Padres are sending over there, and some of the guys that uh, fans should really be looking out for? Um. I mean, the roster,
0: for the most part, is uh, pretty straightforward. I, I like to try to predict it every year, and I think I hit most of, the, most of it. I mean, obviously, you're looking at, like, the, the, the big-time prospects they have, which is Urias and, and Naylor are probably the headliners. Yeah, obviously, Naylor's pretty big. Yeah. Um, this, the interesting thing with the roster, I just kind of just pulled it up because I don't really pay too much attention to what other teams are sending, but the Padres are going to have, I, I believe, three of the four youngest players on the team, uh, with uh, Andres Munoz, who was he's like the guy that was kind of a surprise because he was he's 18, he's flame throwing Mexican right hander, uh, so obviously he's Danny's new favorite player. He's Mexican, but, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't
1: know he was Mexican. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. So, I
0: mean, if, I mean, it make you feel old. I mean, it makes me feel, but he was born in 1999, which is just crazy to me. Wow. Um, uh. But yeah, he, he's a guy I don't think he's really got a great breaking ball in affiliate. yet, but he's at 101 in in games with uh, Tri-City this year and just sat usually around 8-98-99. Uh, probably profiles as a reliever from everything I've I've read. I haven't actually seen him live, quote-unquote, but um, he would be a guy that I think would go to instructions structurally coming up here next week. I, I'm not out with the Arizona Fall League being on the roster, that, that might change, but he's well, you know, one of the younger guys, you think. But then you look at, like, the pitchers. Um, T.J. Weir, who's, I think, one of the older players on the roster, more of a reliever. He's had a really good year in San Antonio, but he'll be on the roster. Um, and then you have David Bednar, who's interesting to me because he was the la- the latest pick that signed last year. I think he was a 38th rounder. Um, he kind of, you know, I've seen him in elsewhere a couple times. He kind of reminds me of a little bit, like, Whips his arm, kind of like Luke Gregerson does, like where he has that like windup where he just kind of like slings the ball. He looks very similar to that to me. Um, but I think he throws harder. I think he's 93, 94. Um, okay. But he had a really good year between he he dominated Fort Wayne, wasn't as good as Elsinore, but was still decent. And then um, Franmil Reyes will be the like the, the taxi squad or whatever they call it, where he's only gonna play two days a week. But he had a he's had a monster year for excuse me for San Antonio. And then uh, it's probably uh, the last chance for Javier Guerra that he's going to be in there as well, which, um, yeah, he's just been brutal this year. But uh, I think, you know, if you're looking at, I think, for fans, I think Naylor and Urias are probably going to be the two guys that I, I, I would be the most excited to watch and see how they do in that environment.
2: Yeah, with – you know, what I wanted to talk about was with Fran Reyes. So I've, I've seen a lot of people – I'm um, talking about him and, and talking about like his size, right? And he's an outfielder. Of course, he brings the power, but is is he uh, is he like an actual prospect? Because a lot of people are saying, nah, eh, you know, he's just kind of depth." But I mean, he's he's showing he's showing good promise with his numbers and his size and power. I I feel like he is someone that we should take seriously. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think you should. Um, doing the prospect list I've done for Mad Fire's last two years, he's a guy that. Uh, when, we've, when I've done like my top thirty both years, he's like just missed. Um, you know, this year if I decided to do like a top one hundred and seventy-three, he's probably gonna crack that. But uh, <laughs> he's a guy that he's got really big power. Now, like every other, and you know, I don't follow other systems as much as I follow the Padres because I just don't have the time. But he's another guy that you look at and he strikes out at a you know really high rate. I think. He's closer to 30% this year. I'd have to double-check the numbers, but he's got monster power. Um, he can actually hit. I think he has an idea of what he's doing at the plate. He can he can work the count a little bit. Um, not a very good outfielder. He's, he's huge. I would not be surprised if, like, next year, um, or even in the fall league, if they try to play him at first base, um, just because I think of his size. He's a guy that um, projects as a, as a corner outfielder, obviously, that, that can hit. With power, he's going to lead the Texas League this year. But I'm pretty sure he's going to lead the league in slugging percentage. Uh, and then he's also leading home runs and RBIs, which I know RBIs are kind of a staff that gets poo pooed. Right. But I mean, at the same time, you know, he's generating runs when Urias you know, when Urias is getting on base at a 400 clip, he's bringing him in. So I like him. I think if I'm. You know, doing my top thirty right now. He's cracking, probably, you know, that bottom twenty-one to thirty range somewhere in there. He's a guy I, I like him. I've seen him a few times at Elsinore, and especially last year, he kind of came into his own uh, with in the second half. And he's just been a monster this year. He hasn't hit for a lot of average. He's not making a lot as much contact in uh, San Antonio as he did last year in Elsinore, which is why I think his average is lower. But overall, yeah, he's a guy you definitely should should be. Um, I wouldn't say he's a guy that's going to be a cornerstone if and when this team gets good again, but he's a guy that could be. Yeah, definitely. And
2: I do, I do appreciate, um, his honesty. So I was reading on and everyone go to madfriars.com. John Conniff had a really good, um, interview with Fran Mill Reyes to where, what I thought was interesting is Fran Mill, he he basically said, Hey, like I realized last year in Elsinore, I kind of, I struggled a little bit because I was trying to hit everything out of the ballpark. And once I realized like, Hey, maybe take a step back and come become a more complete hitter that that's what will help me in the long run. So I thought that was interesting as well. And I appreciate the honesty. So, um, that's that's where I'm at with him. I'm kind of excited for him. I will watch him in this uh, for the uh, javelinas, and I'll, I'll be watching him. It's pronounced see, uh, javelinas.
1: Whatever. I don't know what it's pronounced at. I'm just, I'm just you know. Uh, it's, it's some type of
0: pig. It. That's all I can tell you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I like pork on keto. Um, moving on in terms of guys who are really putting themselves on the map, uh, Hudson Potts has had a really strong finish. Um, I know he had gotten mentioned in a graph chat about how he looks like he's going to be a really good. Defensive infielder with some pop. What's been the uh, take uh, over in uh, your circuit on Hudson Potts? And do you think he's going to uh, go up to Elsinore next year after a strong finish this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought coming into like August that he would be a guy that could get just kept back in, in Fort Wayne for another couple months just because uh, his plate discipline, especially the first few months, has, has been atrocious. Um, he's a guy that's He's 18, but he's still a very young 18. Like, he's, I think he'd be still be one of the younger players in the draft this year if he came out. So, he's, he's really young, but um, he's really kind of come on this last month. His play disciplines improved a little bit, but the funny thing is when he was drafted is he wasn't really kind of touted as this guy that was going to be a big-time power hitter, but he's one of, so like with the Tin Cats, one of their interesting stats is that in the history of the franchise, three guys have hit 20 home runs or more, and two of them have been this year with Potts and Tatis. Yeah. So he's a guy that's come in and was just uh, – I mean, he's got really good power. And he's just – the other night, he, he Conniff was in Fort Wayne this, way, it, this week, and, uh, you know, the first at-bat, he hits one the other way, just crushes the ball for a three-run homer, hits the grand slam. So it looks like he has power to all fields. Um, the thing that's really impressive to me and, and the thing that kind of makes me – like really excited about him is he's actually really good defensively um he's only made nine errors this year he has decent range so i mean for a kid for a kid that young 18 full season ball to only make nine or ten errors is, is insane i mean usually you look at like the error total and it's almost a joke with with the amount of errors that some of these guys make but he's a guy that has you know looks like he's going to have above average power he's starting to figure things out to play his if you look like at his overall line i mean two fifty average isn't that impressive and you look at the walk to strikeout ratio, it's still pretty bad, but he's a guy that's really come on and I would I would uh, assume just because it's just from sheer numbers, if you look at the amount of guys they have in the AZL and the amount of guys they have at Tri City, he's there's no spot for him on the Fort Wayne roster, so he almost almost has to play Elsonar. And I think that, you know, from a offensive standpoint, I don't think you will you'll see a huge drop off or anything, but he's a guy that's definitely going to spot in Elsinore next year and Will probably be, I think, for the third consecutive year, they'll have a guy, a teenager, on that roster who's, if not the youngest player in the league, is certainly, you know, one of the two or three youngest, which is seems to be a reoccurring theme throughout the system.
2: Now, you mentioned his his defense. Do they where do they have him playing down there? Is he at third? Is he at
0: second? Is he played around? pretty much exclusively third last year. Um, he played a lot. He played short a little bit at Tri City and. Um, I watched some of the games they had online just because I was curious, and he looked fine there. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's a guy that you necessarily want. That. I don't know if he has the, the, the lateral movement to to play short. But I mean, everything that was hit to him that he got to, he made the play. So I mean, I don't think he's, I don't think they're gonna try him at short going forward. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's his, his spot. But he probably could play there if he if he had to. But I think he's definitely gonna be a third baseman.
2: That makes sense. Well, you say you said everything he can get to, he fields well and throws to and throws. You could say the same with Solarte at shortstop. <laughs>
0: no, and, that, and that's hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not ready to anoint him, uh, you know, Aussie Smith. But, yeah. You know, I think at some point we have to start stop the revolving door of. What 35 year old has been running a shortstop next year? 2018, you know, who, who's going to be the part of shortstop? I mean, I'm looking at Raphael Belliard right now and seeing what he's up to. But, I mean, they got to have somebody out there. I mean, but no, I, I think Pods is definitely, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could make an argument and say he's the, the third baseman of the future if you want to throw off that cliche.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to ask um, in terms of uh, playoff scenarios, so, of course, minor league baseball is you win the first half or second half and make the playoffs. Um, I think El Paso just clinched, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, we know San Antonio's headed there. Is there anything going on with Fort Wayne playoffs? What's what's the playoff scenarios like down there?
0: So, last night, uh, Tri-City was eliminated. They had a really weird scenario. I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter. but I did. It was um, very interesting. I'm going to try to explain it because I read it like five times. It still confuses the hell out of me. (laughs) So, I I believe Vancouver in in their division won the first half of the season. And so they needed Vancouver to win the second half because they would get the tiebreaker uh, to get in the playoffs because of their overall record. So what they needed last night was they had to lose. So if they won, they eliminated themselves. It was the last game of the season. So if they won, they eliminated themselves. But if they lost and Spokane lost, they would have backed into the playoffs. Well, Spokane won their game, apparently. They, they uh, they're playing the, my, one of my favorite teams, and I think I've mentioned it last time I was on. The Ever Aqua Sox, <laughs> so the Mariners team in the Northwest League. I don't, yeah. They they they, they uh, blew a save, and Spokane ended up winning. And then so uh, Tri City ended the season with I believe it was four straight shutout losses. They didn't score or run their final four games of the season. Wow, it was three or four. I'd have to double check it, but it it was bad. Uh, so they're eliminated. Uh, Fort Wayne's in. They're going to play. Uh, the Bowling Green Hot Rods in the first round, the best of three. They're going to start in Kentucky, which, you know, seems like it's going to be a, a, a riveting series. It also sucks they're playing Bowling Green, which means their games aren't going to be online. I don't think they're one of the teams that streams. Oh. Uh the, the Storm were eliminated the second. They have uh, moved up their entire pitching staff to San Antonio yeah. in the first half, <laughs> so they're going to finish with the, the worst record in the system, I believe. And then uh, San Antonio and El Paso are in El Paso Got lucky because they uh, play in the worst division in the uh, PCL, so they're going to get in with being like five games above 500. Um, but hey, I mean, if if anybody cares, I don't, I don't know what they're going. to I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Renfro. If they're going to like leave him down there again, so he can want to have a win <laughs> for the second straight season, and so yeah. that, that that could help him out. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it's the playoffs are one of those weird things that I don't know how how in depthly you guys follow minor league playoff games, but. For the most part, nobody actually gives a crap about them, and the <laughs> attendance is actually like laughable. Oh jeez! Um, I remember going to an, an Elsinore playoff game a few years ago, and there was like 400 people. Like legitimately, like the Natsky was like four or five hundred people when they averaged three thousand. So oh, that's a lot weird. of it's just they don't do promos. Particularly, they're just games. They're using the middle of the week, and nobody goes. But in some of the other places too, like El Paso, I think we'll, we'll get that place rocking because there's nothing else to do there. Yeah,
2: I saw um, I saw last night on Twitter that um, El Paso they were they were celebrating in the locker room and I, I bet at the beginning of the year, opening day, if you asked Hunter Renfro if he was expecting to pop champagne at any point in this year, he'd say hell no. But sure <laughs> enough, there he was getting a champagne shower. So and that's one of
0: those things to me is, is a, you know it, 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 I think it was different last year being done there, but he he probably doesn't want any part of that. He's like, oh, Christ, yeah. Like and I, I don't you know it's El Paso, and it's Triple A, so I don't know if they're popping my like, dollar store champagne or, or, or how that works. But I mean, you know they're not getting the, you know they're not getting the good stuff that they get in the big leagues. Exactly. You know, Uncle Ron's not providing, a, you know, Chris Dahl down there. Uncle
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ron. Absolutely not. Now, um, someone that's going to help out San Antonio in their playoff run there is Tatis. I, I think a lot of us were surprised to see him go from. Fort Wayne to San Antonio. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? What's kind of the reasoning behind that? I mean, to completely jump Elsinore, I know there's not a huge difference in competition, but, I mean, why the jump up to, uh, Fort, up to San Antonio?
0: I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, it was shocking when they did it, because I, I figured um, he's 18 years old, Fort Wayne's heading towards the playoffs. They've had, you know, the best record in that league, or second best record in that league in the second half. And I figured it would just be beneficial for them to just leave him there, let him do his thing, and maybe he can help him win the championship. The fans will be excited. And it's one of those things, too, that um, one of the things you have to also recognize is that I think Fort Wayne is one of those cities where the, the fan support is so great that you want to actually win there so that way it benefits you and you try to renew those player development deals every couple of years. So, I think it was, to me, it was it was really shocking that they moved him up to San Antonio. I think the reasoning for it is if you look at his numbers uh, in July and going into August, he was dominating at such a clip in, in Fort Wayne that maybe they felt like he wasn't being challenged anymore. Right. But they still maybe wanted him to get a taste of it. Because it seems like they do value, it, it, you know, the uh, winning. You know, I, I think they value the fact that these guys are in playoffs, you know, races. I don't know how much pressure it is, but... You know, compared to like in, in San Diego or in the big leagues, obviously, but I feel like they're definitely into it. So I think they just brought him up to have him be challenged, but also be in, in some type of playoff race where he's going to have to have big situations and potentially play in front of hostile crowds if that, you know, if that's the scenario. That, that would be the only rationale I'd have for it because obviously it wouldn't make sense to, to bring him to elsewhere because that team is, is dead in the water. But I, I was stunned by it. Um, and I think just because he's there now doesn't mean he's going to be there next year. I still, and I guess it depends on what happens in the spring, but he's still a guy that I think ends up in Elsinore at some point next year, um, just because he's still very young. But, you know, he's, he's held his own there. He hasn't really put up big numbers. He's already already, He had a 40 game the other night, sitting about 250. So I'm um, not lighting the world on fire, but not embarrassing himself either.
2: Yeah, so you think, well, you think uh, his defense is going to hold him down there in uh, Elsinore there, James Clark? Yeah, he's, he's made a well, couple yeah, of he's,
0: bad he's throws. A return, a return to Elsinore <laughs> is, is, uh, is inevitable for the end, so, uh, <laughs> You son of, the, of a no, bitch. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, like, jump on, on James too much. I just, <laughs> when I saw it, I thought it was kind of funny because it's like he just showed the one play where he screws up and, uh, yeah, of course the guy needs to work on his defense, but I just I remember like, hey, he needs to work on his play discipline, but his play discipline's improved every year in Fort Wayne or every month in Fort Wayne. So yeah, I I just thought it was funny. I, don't, I mean they're good guys. I just I don't want to harp on them too much. But oh, that, of course, not. that was ridiculous.
2: And I thought <laughs> it was, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny how defensive he got about it. But anyways, it was
1: all my fault. <laughs> you know,
2: yeah, usually I'm the one that trolls yeah. and gets in stir shit up, but Danny uh, Danny swooped right in on this one. Yeah,
1: Kev uh, sticking with Tatis real quick because um, obviously, when he first got here, there wasn't a ton of buzz on him. I think Padre fans were mad that they got Tatis, uh, dumb Padre fans. <laughs> but he's at a point now where you've got, you know, Fangraphs Keith lost at multiple times now on Twitter. He's a top 10, maybe top 5, maybe top 3 overall prospect. When do you see Tatis lacing up for the Padres at shortstop? Is it mid-year next year? Um, Is he a September call-up? When? I mean...
0: Yeah, it could be. I mean, if you look, obviously they think enough. are not going to put him in double-A. So realistically speaking, if they put him in double-A next year and he tears up the league or holds his own, I and mean, he's a guy, too, that they may not necessarily put him in triple-A and he could get a look at the end of the season, I, I, I would think 2019 is more realistic. But, hey, I mean, stranger things have happened. And with, with the way that they're putting him in double-A, I, I would not be, be shocked at all. Um, with that being said, I think, I still think in my heart he's going to end up in Elsinore at least for part of the year next year. Uh, but he's a guy that could be potentially, if everything goes right, he could be their starting shortstop up in 2019, which would be nice because after Belliard's done it in 2018, <laughs> holding that down, they can put Tatis in there. He can work on his defense, and the ground balls in the big leagues are, are much, much sharper and harder to get to than the ones in double in A, so yeah. that will be a challenge for him. But, uh, no, I think he's a guy that, if I had a guess, I'd put 2019. And, and if you would have asked me before this year, even like the first half when he looked like he's establishing himself as a legitimate prospect, I would have said uh, 2020 probably. It's more likely when 2020 is the year that everybody is thinking that they're going to contend, but who knows.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that, and I, and I I do think he's going to fit in very nicely after uh, Rafael Furcal comes back for a year. <laughs> but you know, with him, you follow Padres Twitter, so so you you've seen a lot of the crap going down. Um, a lot of people were saying like when they moved Tatis from Fort Wayne to San Antonio, hey, you're taking him away from this playoff run with this team, and you know the whole learning how to win bullshit. Like, what, what's your take on that? Like, them taking him from one potential playoff run up to another. I mean, does it matter
0: that he's not with those same guys that he's been with all year? No, I don't think it matters really at all. I think what ends up happening is that people on Twitter um, as a whole, and I'm not saying everybody, because there are definitely, you have different, I would say, levels of intelligence with fans. Um, there's some fans <laughs> that are really, really smart that know things, and there's other fans that are just kind of, go with the narrative that, you know, for example, AJ Prowler, everybody either hates him or thinks he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah, There's not really a lot of in-between. I feel like I'm in-between on that, but I think, you know, you, you mentioned anything that AJ Prowler has done where it's, it's a screw-up and everybody comes like, well, yeah, but look at what he's doing to the system, man, the system. So I don't know how much because if you look at the argument of does it really make a difference if he's with the same guys that they want him to be there in the win I think the the logic behind it and why I understand it is I think they just wanted to challenge him more because they're looking at his numbers in Fort Wayne okay in August he's hitting 460 or whatever it was he's walking at a 12% clip He's figured it out he's not being challenged here for the last couple of weeks of the year we can bring him up to San Antonio he can play with you know Josh Naylor and, and, and Urias who could form the next core of the Padres and they're gonna form it sooner than a guy is like, you know, what they have at Fort Wayne, which would be like, you know, Brad Zinnicka or uh, you know, Hudson Potts or Marcus Green or whoever players you want to throw in there, you know, Naylor I would say Naylor and and Urias are more likely to be part of the next Padres great team, quote unquote, than anybody in Fort Wayne. So I think the logic behind it's fine. It was just shocking to me because I I mean you make my assumption was that they're gonna leave them there the whole year and to not been there the whole year was a little weird, but I think overall, I don't have a problem with it. I, he, like I said, he's, he's been fine. Um, the thing I haven't really been too happy with is the fact that they've kind of moved him around. He's played some short, he's played third, he's played second. Um, that could be just because they have Javier Guerra there, and I think the fact that he's tying up a four-man roster spot, they really need to figure out if he's a guy that should hold it going into the off-season when they have to start figuring out who they're going to protect for the Rule 5 draft, but um, I think just they should just leave him at shortstop and just think Garrett play third or Garrett can ride the bench for the last week of the season. That's the only problem I have with it so far.
1: Yeah. We we 100% agree, uh, which we had gone over previously. <laughs> um, in terms of other guys to get really excited for, um, Mackenzie Gore, the number three overall pick uh, for them this year, where do you think he starts uh, the season? Because he... I mean he dom. I think he's been shut down to this point uh, but I have his numbers up here he absolutely dominated he's he had a 14.34 strikeout per nine ratio and he only walked uh, under three per nine so where do you think they stick gore next year in his first full season
0: uh the assumption will be Fort Wayne I think in Fort Wayne he'll they can generally with I don't know if they're gonna do the same thing this year but they if they go to a six-man rotation he's a guy that could throw five or six innings uh once a week and and get his work there I'm not sure how many innings he's thrown this year between high school and, and uh the ACL but uh my guess would be I mean if he really really dominates Fort Wayne and I mean like dominates where he's got like you know the numbers that like you know Baez and a few of the other guys have put up maybe in the second half of the season against the NFL store, but he's going to be I think 18 or he is 18 so I and I think in Fort Wayne he'll just be able to – I think it's a, it's a little bit pitcher-friendly league as opposed to being the Cal League. Uh, he's young. I think it's easier to keep track of his innings there. So, yeah, I would expect him to be in Fort Wayne. But, hey, you know, with, the, with the, as aggressive as they've been with some of their top guys, and wouldn't it be a surprise if they brought him to Elsinore and he pitched there next year.
1: Do you see him moving fast in terms of getting to the big leagues?
0: He could. I think you also have to – I think you have to pump the brakes on uh, – I think everybody looks at it – and this is the way that kind of people are looking at player development. I think it's – part of it is because you have people like you – know, again, I don't want to be like somebody's going to call people out. But like, Kevin Acey is a guy who doesn't really understand player development. So when he writes an article the Padres draft mckenzie and he's an ex-Kershaw, people are under the assumption that he needs to get, needs to get your pass. Yeah. And so – we don't understand what, how that how that works. I think people expect, you know, it, it's not like the NFL draft where you draft Mackenzie Gore and he's now your starting pitcher. It's not like drafting Mike Williams or whoever else he drafted and plugging them the front line if it doesn't work that way. But I think he can move fast. I mean, everything that I've, that I've read on him seems extremely uh, positive, and I think that they're trying to – I think they want to move him fast, obviously, because they need – you know, they want to be good, but uh, – Everything I've read on him is just super positive. I'm, I'm excited about it. He's a guy that should be in that futures game that's coming up here, and if he's if everything works out well, maybe he's up here in two or three years.
2: Do you think? Uh, do you think especially with their pitchers in the system and a lot of them going down with injury, do you think they put an innings limit on him to try to
0: protect him or no? Yeah, I mean, I think if they're again they're gonna. I'd have to look at see how many innings he's thrown, but I mean, if you look at what guys have typically thrown in their debut season. I, I would imagine next year they will be somewhere around 110, 120. Um, that would be probably a, a good number for them. Uh, so I, I don't know. The thing that the Padres have done this year, uh, as opposed to years past, is in the years past, they've done a lot of piggybacking where, uh, for example, last season, Austin Smith piggybacked with, I think, J.C. Cozmane and Fort Wayne. And, you know, they, one of them would throw three or four innings, and one would throw three or four innings, and that's how they would Get through a game, whereas this year they're letting guys throw you know 90, 100 pitches, but only throwing them once a week, which seems to be the strategy. So I think that that's what they're going to do with Gore next year. Is he'll be a guy that they will try to throw throw him 90, 100 pitches once a week, and then he'll get he'll make probably 23, 24 starts in Fort Wayne, probably pitch 120 innings, be my 120, 130 innings, and then you know. Build that up as, as he goes through So, I mean, I think the best case scenario for Gore is if he's the on guy that people, some people think he could be, then he's a guy that uh, is up here by like 20, 29, end of 2019. It would be the best case scenario for him, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that that's really exciting. I mean, and, and I agree because I think by that point, you'd mentioned Urias and, and Tatis as a core. I think Gore could be a part of that. Um, you mentioned Gore might be or should be in that Prospects game. We had mentioned last week it was announced, I think, the day before we actually went on air, um, that the Prospect game coming back. It's going to be an annual thing September 30th this year. Um, outside of Gore, who I think we all hope is in it, um, have you guys heard any rumors of the other Prospects are going to be sending over to play in that game?
0: Um, not yet. I think we, we've tried to, and when I say we, I say the other guys that are on the site because I'm not the biggest like, networking type of guy, but we're trying to get a hold of their, uh, their instructional, like, roster. Um, I think the assumption would be, I mean, if I'm making assumptions or if I'm making educated guesses, uh, you'll see most of the guys they drafted this year. So, I, I would imagine you'll see Sano, Blake Hunt. Um, Blake Hunt. Oh, Gore. our favorite,
1: Blake Hunt. Yeah.
0: Blake Hunt. Yeah, Blake Hunt. Um, uh, I mean, guys like uh, Mark. I, they were one of my favorite names in the system where I I felt I actually considered doing a top prospect list just based upon their name and the guy like Nick March Vicious. Yeah, uh, <laughs> would be a guy that I I love that guy's name. Uh, he'd be a, I would imagine he would be there like uh, some of the other kids like uh, Cole Bellinger, uh, obviously Cl- or uh, Cody's little brother. Uh, a guy like Joey Cantillo who they drafted less left-hander out of Hawaii who looked really good in the AZL, probably most of their international signing class from this year, which isn't really necessarily sexy because they didn't have the money to buy the top guys this year with the uh, penalty in there. But you'll also – I would imagine two guys like maybe like a Buddy Reed, uh, guys that are like in the lower level. So like Almanzar, Justin Lopez, I would I would guess would be there. Uh, maybe Yorty Barley? basically Yorty Barley, another guy that uh, – I like uh, Ruiz, the kid I just got from the Royals would probably be there. And then, you know, they'll have, there's a a few other, like, lower-level guys I I would imagine would be there. Uh, One guy who's a catcher that I've liked the last couple of years is Jose Lozama, who, who, uh, if you look at his numbers, he has no power, but the guy has got on base like a 400 clip everywhere he's been, so he's always like that to get on base, so. Um, guys like that, I think. I don't, I don't think you're gonna see like you're not gonna see a Quantrill, Lucchese, or, or any of those guys. But you'll see like some of the lower level, lower level guys. I, I would I wonder if they're gonna send like a you know, like Marcus Green, uh, yeah. who has had a really good year at Fort Wayne, they had some injuries uh, this year, missed some time, but uh, yeah, I think you're gonna see guys that they've have just brought into this. the instructional league, I believe, starts next week, so you'll have the roster probably. I would imagine if. In, in the next few days. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's not necessarily all the guys they're going to bring to Petco, but at least if you look at their instruction league roster, that'll give you a pretty good idea. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing
2: Austin Allen up there too. I'd I'd like to see how his power would play for uh, in in Petco. I'd like to see him get a hold of one, see how far it can go.
0: Yeah, Austin Allen is an interesting guy to me. He had a really good year this year. Um, his defense is still a work in progress, but the dude if the dude can just become an average catcher, he's I think he's a big leaguer. I don't know if he's going to hit enough necessarily to play like at first or whatever. He's a big dude, uh, but you know, he's a really seems like he's a really good kid. I've, I've interviewed him this year. Uh, seems like he's pretty smart. I think he's got an idea what he's going to go, what he's going to do. But he's one of those guys that has really stood out to me this year too.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you mentioned uh, Estrella Ruiz. Um, what, like, what, what kind of like scouting reports have you guys heard about him? Like, is he is he gonna stick at second? Is I heard that they might possibly put him at third. I heard there's a lot of power, but there's not. I mean, what what, what do you know about Estrella Ruiz?
0: Um, I've read some stuff on him. I know when, um, when the Padres made that trade, Eric Long and Hagen uh, had a good write up about him that basically said he's. Not very good defensively, and pretty much can only play second. Maybe he can play third, but he's definitely not going to play shortstop. Um, you know, a guy that has developing power, but can make contact. Um, David J, who at one of the other runs first, was actually in Arizona this weekend and had to note something about: Hey, he's got a you know a very aggressive approach to the plate, like a lot of you know the 18, 17, 18 year olds from you know. I believe he's Dominican. I'm not 100% sure on that. Don't quote me on that. But just a very aggressive approach there. One of the interesting things that I that I've read about him is that Longenhagen gave him like a a 40 for uh, for speed, but he stole like 26 bases. So it's like when you look at the numbers and you just scout kind of scout the box score, you you look, wow, this guy's speedy. You know, he stole 26 bases. Now, I mean, anything any number that you have in my opinion below low A, you have to take with a grain of salt because if you see a guy light up the AZL or you know, On the other side, you see him struggle in the AZL. I don't think he could take it too seriously because the pace is just not very good. But he he's a guy that's hit for some some power this year. I think he actually won the batting title in the AZL. He's put the bat on the ball. He doesn't strike out at, at an ungodly rate. But he's just one of those guys that is going to be in the mix. And, again, if, if the Padres are super aggressive with it, and he could be a guy that's in Fort Wayne next year. Uh, but the things that I've heard him is he's got great contact skills. He could be – You know, I don't think he's going to hit and get on base like Urias has, but he's definitely going to have more power than him. So he's kind of maybe, I want to say a poor man's Urias, but is kind of a guy that can hit for a high average with double-digit power, but is not going to really give you much defensively or on the base pass.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I know um, I've heard comps as high as, oh, Alfonso Soriano, which I think people should probably uh, take a step back from, but, um, it's it's exciting to have you know an interesting player like that who has uh, some upside. Uh, in terms of uh, expectations, it's been a long year. Um, this is probably the most loaded the Padres uh, system has been in a long time. So obviously there's a lot of expectations going in. For for you guys over there, who has exceeded expectations coming into the year, and who are the prospects that have kind of flopped and just completely you know fallen off the radar based on their performance? Um, for right now, if I had
0: there's I mean, there's a few guys that. That were on the radar that have been really good. There's a few guys that weren't on the radar that have stood out to me. I think for guys that we knew about coming in here, the guy that really just was, has been impressive this year is Joey Lucchese. Uh, guy came out, I thought him opening day at Elsinore. I was actually kind of pissed that he was pitching because I thought I was going to see Espinosa, and we all know that, how that story turned out. But uh, with Lucchese, he's uh, the guy that doesn't throw particularly hard but it's just kinda of funky. He throws strikes, he pounds his own. Um had a huge strike numbers in Elsinore. Obviously as he's gone up to double A uh the numbers uh he his ERA's actually I think is better, but he hasn't missed as many bats, which is not surprising I mean, he's get, you know, he's going at double A hitters. But the thing with Bucese is that he just you just know he wants to pitch the big leagues. The fire in his eyes is just so bright. I looked at me eye contact with him in Elsinore, and his eye, the fire in his eyes almost burned me. Like I I felt, I felt my skin set to blister. And I had to walk out of the locker room. Um, it's just so intense. Was he naked uh, when you walked in his into the locker room?
1: Um,
0: what's up? Was he naked
1: when you walked into the locker room?
0: <laughs> no. He was clothed at this time. But, wow. again, the fire in his eyes was just so intense. So. When I scout players, I look at, you know, the, the five tools, and I look at the six tools, it, it, what I call the fire in the eyes tool. And he scores an 80 in that. No. Um, but, no, he's a guy that just, you know, 93-mile-an-hour fastball. His sliders look really good. He looks like he's flashing a pretty good changeup. Um, if you look at what scouts have said, uh, he's a guy that maybe projects more as a reliever. But when you look at the quote-unquote big three that they had in Elson this year, he was the best by far. He was better than Lauer. He's better than Quantrill. In AA, he's been head and shoulders above them. Yeah. Um, I know their their play by play guy, Mike Sager, uh, in San Antonio like loves him. Like he's you know really said some good things about him. So when it, you see a guy that watches him every start for the last couple months, be that impressed with it definitely gets you fired up. He's a guy that, and plus he's thrown 150 innings this year. He's not going to really have any type of inning restriction next year. And I think he's probably, in my guess, is going to start next year in A is probably going to be on. It. Honestly, if Lucchese goes out and has a huge spring, it wouldn't be shocking to see him grab some type of gig on the big league roster next year, whether it be. I don't necessarily think he'll be in the rotation on opening day, but you know, when Colin Ray or Robbie Erland, whoever's starting games next year, gets hurt or something, he could be a guy that gets up there. Um another guy that's kind of off the radar that uh wasn't even really considered a prospect until this year, but Rod Boykin, uh he's an outfielder. Uh he's playing with like Elsinore. He hit two oh three, I think, through June in, in Fort Wayne, but all of a sudden he's just started hitting um and hitting for power. And then he went up to Ellson and is gonna hit up, hit up like three twenty up there with a slugging percentage well over five hundred. He's showing some power. He's one of those guys that's like a great athlete. Was drafted really young. Uh, I think he's uh, from Alabama. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on where he's from. I want to say he's from a southern state where baseball is not necessarily a, a big deal there. But he's a guy that's come on this year and is still striking out at a ridiculously high rate, 32, 33%. But he's hitting for power. He's probably pound for pound, he might be the best athlete in the entire system. Uh, he's played mostly corner. I think he could probably play center. He, he has a speed to it. Whether he has the the lateral movement or the, or the ability to read the, the, the ball off the bat is, is a different story. and That's something that I probably would want to follow up on when I do some research, a little bit more research. But either guy's really impressed. And then, you know, Kearso Arnellis, the guy they signed last year, has uh, drawn rave reviews in the AZL for his, uh, his the way he works to count his, his approach. Um, he's played some center field. He's played some left field. When he was signed last year, I think that they basically said he was going to be restricted to a corner or even first base, but you know, he's looked okay out there. And then just a few guys to touch on real quick. Um, Daniel de los Santos has been huge this year. Um, he's really been great after a kind of an inconsistent first half. He had this weird thing where if you look at what his ERA was against every team, but the Midland Rockhounds, which are the A's affiliate double A, he was just lights out, big time fastball, big slider. Um, And then Austin Allen's another guy that I just like. And then Michelle Baez is another guy that's kind of come on that's exceeded expectations where they gave him a lot of money, so you figured they obviously had some degree of expectation with him that he's come out in Fort Wayne and had a couple of, of rough starts, but he's been just huge.
2: Yeah, see, that's why we like that's why we like having you on there because I've never heard of Rod Boykin. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is Rod Boykin? So I'm I'm glad you brought him up because I have I have tons of things to say
0: about him. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's another guy. The name Boykin's fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Boykin just... balls out there. It, it <laughs> Sounds kind of dirty, but it's really not. But no, he's a he's a guy that was an I think he was an instructor last year. Um, I don't remember him playing, but he's another guy that I think. Maybe – at and I'm not saying this is – I'm ready to put him in my top 30 process. He's a guy that I thought – and speculate maybe he's a guy that gets released just because of a sure numbers game because he's been the system for a few years. But I mean, he went to Ellison and he's – maybe outside of Austin Allen has been the, the best offensive player they've had there all year. I mean, his numbers are actually better than Naylor's wow. uh, as well. Um, like, again the strikeouts are alarming, but he's a guy that deserves, I think, some attention from prospect nerds that follow the system. Yeah. Definitely.
2: You know, as as we're uh, as we're running out of time here, what what we wanted sure. to do here, and I wanted to throw this at you, and I, we didn't want to give you any heads up for this. We wanted to kind of do like a little bit of, of, of a rapid fire segment for you, to where we say we'll say a, a word or a phrase, um, and you tell us the first thing that comes to mind, just real quick, okay. just real quick off the top. We'll have Danny started off here.
1: All right. So, 2017 season in one word. Annoying. <laughs> Jorge Onya. Linebacker. (laughs) Stud. Wait, what did you say? Stud. God? Stud. S T U D. Stud. Tatis. Bum. What? Bum. B U M.
0: Javier Guerra.
1: I knew it. I knew, yes. I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right, and uh, we're going to wrap it up with the last one here. Uh, oh no, we have two more. Excuse me. Uh, favorite player MLB roster
0: on the on the Padres roster or in general
1: MLB Major League Padres.
0: Right now, I think it's going to be Jose Pirella.
2: <laughs> I like that one too. And how about uh, one last one for you, Nick Hardwick? <laughs> Sell (laughs) out. All right. Well actually I lied. Say it
0: to his face though.
2: Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) Say it to his face because 'cause he'll beat the shit out of all of us. I lied, one more. You have to pick one right now, real quick, David J. or John Coniff.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, you don't have to answer. Honest yeah, oh, we... is the Overlord, so I feel like I have to pick him. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, is that how we address him when he comes on, Overlord Conniff?
0: <laughs> no, but I think I might next time I see him or next time I talk to him. <laughs> that
1: I'll works. change his name
0: on my phone, too.
1: <laughs> Overlord Conniff. All right, well, that's going to about wrap it up, folks. Uh, Kev, again, we appreciate you uh, coming on here. You are welcome to show yeah, up at is. any time. and uh, I cannot guarantee the Boot World gift card will get to you this time. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and drop your Twitter handle. That way we can get you guys more follows.
0: Um, yeah, so if you want to follow us, uh, it's at MadFriars. John does most of the tweeting from there, but sometimes I will do things and do it there. Uh, um, also, real quick, now would probably be a good time to subscribe because we'll probably have lots of content from the Insurance General League and different things to so MadFires.com. It's like $4, $5 a month, whatever it is, so don't be cheap. Come on, guys, Um, even hashtag single
1: dad can afford it.
0: If you want to follow me, uh, my handle is Kevin underscore Charity. uh, Kevin, K-E-V-I-N underscore C-H-A-R-I-T-Y. Some guy has Kevin Charity taken, which is annoying. Uh, (laughs) But just what I'll plug there, too, is I'm going to do some stuff. Just I'll post links here and there about the NFL. So I'm probably I'd still find myself reading Chargers related material, but I'm not a Charger fan anymore. But. Uh, just kind of writing about my experience and trying to find a different team because I feel like I have to have some type of evidence, or otherwise my, uh, you know, viewing of the NFL is going to not be any. It'll I'll be looking at the NFL like I do the NBA, which I don't really want to do. So uh, check that out too.
2: Exactly. Yeah, well, hey, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, follow him at Kevin underscore charity. Um, again, hey, we appreciate your time, man. And uh, maybe we, we won't get you a Boot World gift card, but I have a Will Myers bobblehead. You want that?
0: Yeah, I'll take that. And if you guys also do Adelitas gift cards, I'll do that as well.
1: <laughs> no, I'm first up on the Adelitas, but we'll drop the uh, Myers give uh, bobblehead down at your desk.
2: Yeah, hey, we'll All see. Right, you, sounds we'll, good.
1: We'll see you later, man. Take it easy. All right. All right.
2: Well, good times there with uh, yeah, Mister Mr. Kevin Mr. Charity. Mister Kevin
1: Charity, another another wonderful interview with Kevin Charity. Yeah, I uh, got a lot of great info on the uh, rosters and everything. Uh, the one thing he kind of mentioned, and it, we didn't get a chance to go over it. I'm kind of bummed how he explained how the uh, September 30 prospect game was going to work out. What do you mean? Well, because if he says the instructional league is going to give you a good idea of who's going to be there, I was kind of hoping like we'll get guys like maybe Morrohone, Lauer, Potts, Tatis, uh, Baez. You know, I was hoping we'd get kind of the uh, the higher uh, the higher ranking prospects in there. I, I still think that they
2: are going to have them on there because they know that that's what the people care about. At that's, the end of the day, yeah. Joe Padre fan doesn't care about the Miners, really. It's more that if, if you put in the time to look into the Miners and you get excited about it, you're going to go to that game. And they're not going to throw out guys like Rod Boykin <laughs> for that game. Trevor Frank? Yeah, hey. That's a pride of East County. You take it easy there. Um, (laughs) They're not going to bring out guys like that. I do feel like, but the thing is with the pitchers, like Lucchese and so on. So, like, they've thrown a lot of innings so far this year. That's very true.
1: That's very true.
2: So, I do expect to see Gore there. I would love to see Estre Ruiz there. Um, But, like I said, guys like Austin Allen, I think he'll be there. I, I feel like Onya should show up. Because he didn't so. have a good showing last yeah, year. I think so. I would love to see Tatis again because he was there last year. But, I mean, who knows, man? We'll check it out. And um, I'm, I will be there for sure. Are you going to be there? It's the, the, the week after here? your uh,
1: bachelor party, so I might still be recovering.
2: Oh, Jesus. I will be there for sure. So if yeah. anyone on Padre's Twitter wants to link up, you know where to find me, at MiserableSDFan. Find Danny at 5.5. Dan, you got anything to add in before
1: we? No, that'll do it. Appreciate everybody looking in there. I hope you guys have a safe holiday. Uh, don't get too drunk. I will not pick you up. Unless you pay for my detailing.
2: Yes, and uh, well, you know, actually we found out from Kevin, you're going to have a partner going down to Adelita's. Maybe we'll get you guys a package
1: deal down there. All right, maybe get like a two for one. I get the two for one. Kevin can just, you know, play bodyguard. Sit in the corner and beat (laughs) off. We'll check in. Maybe maybe I won't go. We'll check in (laughs) next week, guys. We're out of (laughs) here.